G'day there, and welcome back to Convergently Speaking. Today, I'm going to be talking about applying the scientific method to your relationship. Well, good to be back with you guys today. I'm really excited to do this podcast. It's actually just me, uh, no Caitlin today. I wanted to do just a solo episode. I've had a few things running through my head. Sorry, the episodes have been few and far between lately. There's reasons, but there's there's really no good excuses. There's just been a lot going on. But I'm here today and I'm excited to uh, talk to you about a, a few ideas, um, mostly influenced by a pretty well-known relationship therapist called Terry Real, who I've been, well, whose work I was exposed to and, and really liked and I'm currently studying with and yeah, whose methods I'm using pretty much every day with my my clients in my private practice at this point. So this language of applying the scientific method to your relationship actually comes from Terry. And spoiler alert, I'm not actually going to tell you how to apply the scientific method to your relationship. Uh, This is actually a turn of phrase that Terry uses uh, as a critique about how couples can tend to Uh, go about interacting with one another but also how they can show up in therapy and the dynamic that Terry's speaking to when he uses this language is the dynamic that if you haven't personally experienced it I'm sure you've witnessed it with with another couple which is that one person in the partnership will make an assertion make a claim they might say something like you never take me out for dinner You're only ever thinking of yourself. Now, the way to apply the scientific method in this scenario would be if the person, uh, let's say it's the, the husband or the guy that's being accused of this, was to pull out his phone, pull up his calendar and start going through and saying, well, look, here on the 5th of March, I took you out for Chinese and back on the 1st of January, we did this and so on and so forth. And it may very well be true and accurate and correct what he's saying and he may very well have the records to show it and, you know, he may very well be able to argue his case that uh, the statement that you never take me out is not true. And I'm guessing that listening in, you're already realizing how ridiculous this is and potentially even thinking that, well, this isn't something you'd do, this is... Ridiculous! Why? Why would you start sort of arguing tooth and nail about the the specifics of when you last uh, took your partner out? But I think that we all have a tendency to do this. You know, if we're accused of something or something said to us that's not that's not totally accurate, uh, especially if it's something that makes us look bad, then our, our natural impulse, our our ego defenses kick in, and we want to argue our case. And whilst it's a perfectly understandable response and reaction, it's likely not going to get you to uh, to your end goal, uh, unless your end goal is is strife and and marital disharmony. 
um, a different approach is going to be needed. So yeah, trying to apply the scientific method, trying to logically evidentiary, is that a word? Logically using evidence, argue your case and prove your case may work to win the battle, but over time you're going to lose the war. I was only listening to a stand-up comedian a couple of days ago who literally gave this example about his ex-girlfriend pulling him into an argument uh, and him letting himself get wrapped up in this argument and he just went to town on her with logic and facts. And he, and this is what he said. He said, I argued my way right out of the relationship. This is how you win the battle and lose the war. And um, now whether the story was true or not, this is a prime example of letting the ego get wrapped up in that moment feeling like you need to defend and justify yourself this comes back to the the one of the four horsemen from the previous episode uh, which is defensiveness and it's getting defensive and wanting to argue your case when terry talks about this he says you know you don't want to be applying the scientific method to your relationship he says objective reality objective truth has no place in a relationship if you're coming home from work and your partner says to you you never take me out for a meal then what you want to do is you want to respond to the unmet need you never take me out for a meal so while that might not be technically and factually true there's actually a reason this person, your partner, is saying this thing and that's where you want to focus. You want to turn up the curiosity and turn down the defensiveness and think, why is my partner saying this? You know, I know I've taken her out. So why is she saying this? What What's happening at an emotional level that's making her feel this way? And this is the trajectory of thought and and process that's going to get you to better results a response such as thanks for sharing that let's let's go out for meals more often or uh, how often would you like to go out for a meal or asking other inquisitive questions to get a feel for for what's going on and and validating the emotion of what's being shared which is clearly your partner wants to spend time with you wants to go out wants to connect wants to prioritize each other and the relationship. I actually did an Instagram live on a, on some of this the other day and I was again quoting Terry Real and Terry Real loves to say, who's wrong, who's right in a relationship? Who cares? And it's just a different way of making the same point. I remember one of the very first couples I worked with I did get pulled into trying to ascertain and, and almost arbitrate who was wrong and who was right. Uh, but I quickly worked out it was a fool's errand to do this because because number one, I wasn't there and, and I can never be 100% sure on who was wrong or who was right about some particular scenario. But even if I could do that, the, the person that's technically wrong still has feelings and emotions and and perspectives on the experience that's valid um, and maybe they have a skewed perspective maybe they do have quite clearly an incorrect perspective but it's their perspective nonetheless 
and that ha- now has a legacy. The perspective that they've taken now has a legacy of how they feel and think about their partner. Now, I'm not saying we can't break down this stuff and, and reframe the story and the meaning and stuff, but going in head on to try and tackle and conclude and arbitrate who's correct and who's incorrect is a fool's game. So there's a lot that could be said about this topic. And my intention today is not to cover every specific detail of this dynamic, but I want to leave you with a few key pointers around conceptualizing this, navigating this that I've found really useful working with clients. Firstly, what I've found is that those that are most tempted to want to apply the scientific method, to want to get caught up in the the nuanced specifics of what was or wasn't said, what was or wasn't done, generally speaking, are those that are thinkers uh, within the Myers-Briggs system. And, and for those that have a bit more of a technical understanding, people with introverted thinking in their personality even if they are a feeler that has the introverted thinking function, tend to get really caught up on this. Personality Hacker have nicknamed introverted thinking as accuracy. And I really love this name for, for, for this function because those that have accuracy, those that want accuracy, really, really struggle to let go of stuff that's not accurate. Um, but zooming out again, really anybody can get caught up on this because we all we all have egos and and you know most of us like to be right. It feels good to be right. But I've I've certainly found that those that are more logical, especially those that also work in fields where they're required to be very logical, very systematic, present quote unquote reasonable thorough well thought out ideas are the ones that are the most tempted to really get pulled into a more court style arguing of your case kind of scenario and again whilst this might feel good in the moment I can tell you it won't get you to uh, marital harmony and satisfaction the most logical thing to do in these type of situations is, is to actually remember the emotional element at work here so if your partner's saying something that you are or not doing to actually think what's the emotion, what's the unmet need behind this and, and speak to that to keep an open non-defensive stance towards the person that you love uh, to keep the conversation open and flowing. And the next point I want to make is, is sort of like a dual point and I often fall back on this, it's a bit of a stereotype in culture, but often in my experience, it is the woman that's expecting their partner to, to be the mind reader. And when I say mind reader, it's this idea that they, they want and they long for their partner to know what they need at any given moment and be just intuitively tuned in and responsive to that. Now I get that need and and I think we all have that. We want our partner to know us intimately, to know us back to front, to to be able to finish our sentences and all these type of things. However, I don't think this is reality. I think it's a very rare couple where this is actually the case. And there's actually quite a lot of couples where where the more logical thinking orientated person is never going to have the level of 
intuitive knowing and, and knowledge about your needs. And so you're setting yourself up with this expectation of your partner reading your mind to be constantly let down. And I think it's a beautiful and lovely thing that someone who's with a more logical thinking orientated person to actually offer the gift of communicating clearly what they need when they need it. So if you're talking about something personal, something emotive and your more logically uh, wired partner is trying to fix your problems, only staying at an intellectual, heady academic level to actually say, hey, I... I just really need you to listen to me at the moment. Uh, maybe we could grab a cup of tea. Could we sit on the lounge for 15 minutes? Uh, I just need a listening ear or I need a shoulder to cry on. Uh, and what I've found with most partners is that most partners are reasonable and most partners aren't meaning to be all caught up in their head and are actually quite responsive to a signal like this. And I work with different couples to come up with their own signals, but it's helpful to have a way in which you can signal uh, which might be as simple as this is a listening conversation or this is a I just need some support conversation or maybe you have a hand gesture you do or something that can kind of just help um, really you both switch into a different genre or a different flavor of relationship because there's absolutely time and place for this more problem-solving, logical um, interaction and, and conversation style. And I think this is what's often going on when arguments begin. One person shares from the heart. One person shares what's happening for them. Maybe they do a good job of this. Uh, maybe they don't. But they're at least trying to share what's happening for them. And the other person becomes defensive and starts trying to apply the scientific method, starts trying to argue their case why why they're innocent or why that's not technically true or why that's te not technically correct. And so to mitigate this, there can be a sense from the sharing partner that they just say, hey, I, I need a moment to share. Uh, can you listen? Are you able to listen? Um, this isn't about you. I'm not attacking you. I'm actually just needing to get something off my chest. And to try and sort of st stop that defensiveness cycle before it even begins. So just before I finish up, the way I've spoken about this today is that it's, uh, you know, generally a, a woman who's expecting their partner to be a mind reader and the guy who's who's caught up in being logical and, and a bit um, emotionally inept or whatever. I certainly do see women whose natural state is to be more logical, who are thinkers, who are more focused on task or logic than they are on emotion and people. And uh, invariably, the, the man that they've chosen is um, a more sensitive and emotionally orientated person. Um, so I don't want to give the impression that it, it only goes one way. Um, however, on balance, the, the stereotypes tend to hold in my experience that often it is the man that's the, the one who's more logical and the one who's more caught up in wanting to prove and argue, argue his case. So what I want to leave with you today is really this idea that getting, getting caught up in who, who said and who did what is, is really not a good, a good path to go down when it comes to your relationships. I find that in friendships, this can be uh, a bit of healthy, robust debate 
uh, tends to be a bit more workable. But when you're dealing with someone who you love deeply and they love you deeply, the the stakes are so much higher and it's so much easier to get defensive. And fundamentally, you're not together because you like to debate or you like to argue and your relationship centered around this a back and forth debate as it might be with a friend. You're together because of your love and care for one another. So prioritizing the love and care and the connection over ascertaining who's right and who's wrong um, really goes a very, very long way to create a uh, long and lasting happy relationship. So thanks for listening today to Convergently Speaking and I will speak to you next time. Stay curious.